Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. In Jesus' name, in the mighty name of Jesus, I bless you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. And the Holy Spirit of God, I thank you for being here, for speaking to me, for speaking through me. And I pray that this evening, Lord, you will speak to each of your children who is listening. You will change our lives. You will open up the truths that are in your word. Um, that we may come yet one step closer to the glorious future that you have in mind for each and every one of us. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. In Jesus' name. Welcome to the Bible study of this evening. We're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. So it's more an introduction really to... Uh, what we're going to be doing over the month of February. Um, we're going to be taking Ruth and Boaz, strategies for building kingdom marriages in the coming week, in the coming weeks. Um, and I felt we needed to have a session where it's almost like a prelude where we go into the book of Ruth, who wrote it, why was it written, what does it say, what can we learn from it, or what are some of the things that we can learn from it. So after the Bible study of this evening, what it would be good for each and every one of us to do is to read the book of Ruth or reread the book of Ruth is if it's a book you've already read and read it with a different pair of eyes, hear from God with a different pair of ears. Um, there are many lessons to be learned from this book um, and we're really just looking at such a tiny aspect uh, of what the book of Ruth has to give. Um, but I am sure that God will multiply the little that we're learning in Jesus' name. Amen. So the book of Ruth is scheduled in between the book of Judges and the book of 1 Samuel. So it talks about a family who were living round about the time um, that the judges were ruling in Israel. Nobody knows who wrote the book of Ruth. However, the Jewish tra- tradition says that the book of Ruth may have been written or was written by the prophet Samuel. Um, And one of the reasons they say this is that the genealogy at the end of Ruth in chapter 4, verses 18 to 21, um, implies it was written after David became king. So the only reason why someone will write a genealogy about David or about someone is because that person mattered and really what um, the few verses at the end of the book of Ruth do is that they actually show that David had the right to be king. The issue there is if we look at the 18th verse it starts with the genealogy of Perez. Now some of us may know the circumstances under which Perez was born. Um, it was Judah who slept with his daughter-in-law, um, which was really a re- relationship that is banned by the word of God. Um, and one of the rules at that time was that uh, for children born in such families for 10 generations, those children could not go into the, as, into the, the, the temple or the gathering of the righteous people. So by putting this in here, by putting these 10 generations and the 10th is David, 
if it was Prophet Samuel who wrote it, it is Samuel saying, yes, it may have been from a line where there was um, a, a form of incest, but really uh, he is the 10th, so he is free um, from the curse that comes with that. The Book of Ruth is a, is a piece of literature. It is not just studied by Christians or even by Jews. Secular writers study the Book of Ruth as a piece of literature. It is that good, um, the way it is written um, and the themes that it holds. Um, and it's only one or two books that are named after a woman in the Bible. The other book is the Book of Esther, a book, the Book of Esther. So let's move on more on the book of Ruth. In the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth, the book of songs of Solomon, the Lamentations and Ecclesiastes make up what is called the Megillot. So these are readings that are read at Jewish festivals. And Ruth is read at Shavuot or or Pentecost, which is um, the festival that is 50 days after the Passover. Now, it works well in the, in the Jewish world, but it also works well in the Christian world be, because in the um, story of Ruth, we basically see Ruth as a type of the church, the Gentile church. So the church of Jesus Christ, by and large now, is made up of non-Jews. So we, like Ruth have been grafted into um, the promises of, uh, of God, into the covenant of God. Um, and Boaz is seen as the Jesus um, who marries us into the family of God. So Ruth is a type of the church and, the, and a type of the grace that um, really has been ex- extended to the non-Jews. And Naomi is a type of the Jewish people. Naomi um, and her family speak of um, the people of God who have lost their way, who have uh, moved out of Bethlehem, the house of bread, who have left their God and who have gone in search of something else. And while they do that, you know, the husband dies, the children dies, Naomi comes back um, with nothing. And that's a picture of um, really the Jewish um, people who have lost their way who have lost their God, but really um, Ruth, which is the Gentile church, in the end, the Gentile church are going to be the ones that will bring the Jewish uh, people back to Jesus Christ and back into the grace. So that's one of the reasons why um, the book of Ruth, there are, so, there are so many things, there are so many angles that we could take um, to teach the book of Ruth, but I just feel with Valentine Day that is coming up with the commercialization uh, of love, what, what best than to talk about love in the way that God um, has meant it. So if we look at the story of Ruth, so the book is named after Ruth. Who is this Ruth woman? So Ruth is a Moabite woman who married the son of a, Jew, of a Judean couple living in Moab. So this is, we're told this in chapter 1, um, that there was a famine in Bethlehem, um, and Limelech and his wife Naomi 
um, and their two sons, Melon and Chilion, left uh, Bethlehem because there was a famine and they went to Moab. Um, for those of us who may be familiar with Moab, we know that Moab uh, was one of the grandchildren of Lot that was also born out of incest. Um, and by this stage, really, the Moabites are the enemies of the Israelites. Um, They're not friends, even though they have really come from the same family line. So for a Jew to move to Moab was a big red flag. Uh, but they moved there because they felt, uh, okay, we are in our land, in the land of promise, but there is no food. So we're going to go to our enemies to get our food. And really what happened is that when they got there, they died. And that really um, speaks to each and every one of us that when we're in difficulties, when we're feeling, when we have a lot of questions, it's not really a wise choice to move to the camp of the enemy to get the sustenance. It is really not the right time to do things that we will not do in times of plenty, just because there's a little bit of issue, there's a little bit of hunger. Um, after the death of uh, Naomi's sons, Ruth moves to Judah with her mother-in-law, Naomi, rather than staying with her own people. And she becomes um, famous because of her words to her saying, I'm not going to leave you. My God shall be your God. Your people shall be my people. So the story ends with Ruth becoming the wife of Boaz, a wealthy um, member of a former husband's family. And in the end, she has a child who is called Obed who became the grandfather of King David. And the genealogy of David, uh, which is at the end of the book, makes David the great-grandson of a foreign woman. Again, this speaks of grace, because you would have thought that, you know, David and ultimately Jesus would come from a line of Jews, from a line of people who had lived a perfect life, but if we check the genealogy in Matthew, some of the names that are mentioned there really do talk to the grace um, that God has. So his grace can never run out. What we tend to do is run, a, run away from his grace. As long as we run to his grace, it's always going to be there. As, as, as long as we don't feel we need to justified we don't need to put up a front we don't need to um, argue with God when we run to him he will always be there but most of the time the nature of human beings is that we run away from God and from his purpose so why is this book in the bible as I was mentioning earlier the purpose of this book is to teach us the faithfulness of God um, the type of God that the the type of love that God has in mind for us, not even just in terms of marriage, but just the love that He has for us as His people, whether Jew or not a Jew, and it shows the difference uh, that happens when a nation does not follow the covenant of God, and we see that in the book of Judges, and we see that in the life of Naomi and her family. 
versus when God's people follow in faithfulness with the covenant, such as Ruth did. So that's why this book is in the Bible. It is God just showing and giving us the proof that it is always best to go into his covenant, to stay faithful to his covenant, because he always makes his word come to pass in our lives. So I'm going to go through the chapters now and see what we can learn from each one. So in chapter one, Naomi's family leave Bethlehem because of a famine and they move to Moab. Now, the, Naomi's husbands and sons both die in Moab. And knowing the culture of that time, when a woman is not married, she hasn't got children, it means that there's no one really to take care of her. And the only option that she had was to go back home to her family and to see whether they would be able to take care of her. Her sons had gotten married in Moab. Um, they took two wives of the women of Moab. One was Opa, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dealt there about 10 years. Then both Malon and Chilion died. So these two women were married to her sons for 10 years, and then they died. Um, Naomi then said, well, it's time for me. Uh, to go back to the country of Moab. She talked to both her daughter-in-laws. Uh, Opa left. She kissed her and she left. And then when it came to the turn of Ruth, Ruth just stayed. Naomi said, you know, you need to go because even if I could marry now and have uh, another male child um, to give to you, by the time he's old enough to marry, you will be too old to have children. Why would you have to wait? It is better to, for you to go back to your own country, to your own people, to find a husband who will take care of you. And in the, 15th, the 16th verse, after Naomi tells Ruth that, look, look your, um, the other lady here has gone back to her people and so should you. Then Ruth says, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more. Also, if anything but death parts you and me. And what Ruth says here, if anything, uh, if anything but death parts you, and me is the reason why in ceremonies of wedding now we say until death do you part so really the covenant that ruth made with naomi was so deep that is almost at the same level as two people who are getting um, married she had completely given herself her loyalty um to this woman and she said wherever you go i'm gonna go your God is going to be your God. Your, your people shall be my people. Now, when I was thinking of this this, this afternoon, I, I thought, Naomi must have been an, an exceptional woman. The reason I say that is, Naomi and her family came to Moab as the Jews, the chosen people. We are blessed by, by God. Yet, in that time, Ruth had seen her father-in-law die. Her husband died and her brother-in-law died. 
And her, her sister-in-law turned her back and left. So I cannot say that Ruth saw the big house Naomi was living in. Ruth did not see the big job Naomi had. Ruth did, did, did not see the 500 pound designer bags that Naomi had. But she saw God in her mother-in-law. She saw God in her mother-in-law and she said, wherever you go, I'm going to go. And my question to you is, what are people seeing in us? Are they seeing the stuff we've got? Are they seeing, are they seeing the power we have? Are they seeing the money in the bank account? Or can they see God in us? When Ruth says, I'm going to go where you go, she's making a promise to stay with a woman that is at the end of the road. She's staying with someone who has no wealth. She's staying with someone who has no idea how she's going to eat the next day. Yet this woman says, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. And when we start to talk about marriage in the coming weeks, one of the questions we're going to be looking at, why do you want to be with this man? Why do you want to be with this woman? If they had nothing now, if they were nothing now, would you still marry them? If they're not as beautiful as they look now, if they don't have the job they have now, if they don't have the ministry they have now, if they don't have the looks, the beauty, even the family, would you marry this person? If they had nothing going for them and they were at the end of the road. If you are not, if you will not do what Ruth is doing here, you should not marry that person. You should be able to look at someone you want to marry, someone you want to be with and look at them and not see anything else, not see any promises, not see any future and still say, there is something in you. I can see God in you. And even if you have nothing, I know that the God you serve can make something out of you. Or do we marry based on what the person looks like, what they may be like, how much money they may have? Or do we marry them because we see God in them? We see our purpose in, in them. We see this person as the mission of my life. When she says, where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. What she's saying is, me and you are cleaved. Where you live, I will live. Where you die, I will die. Next slide as we move on swiftly. So what are the key lessons from chapter one? Now, the famine in the land of Judges was caused by the people's sin. God was very clear. I will bless you. You'll be fine. You'll be the envy of all of the nations if you will listen to me. If you will not listen to me, if you will not follow my words, then what is happening to the other people will also start to happen to you. Um, at the end of the day, sin is the root cause of everything that goes wrong. It may be your personal sin, it may be the sin of a parent, it may be the sin of a leader uh, in the nation or in the church. Or even if we really want to go back to basics, it is the nature of sin. Sin entered the world through uh, our parents, um, Adam and Eve. And whenever there is something not working, in the world, it is caused by sin. 
One of the lessons, the faithful should never leave the house of bread to seek food in a foreign land. No matter how bad it gets, do not bend your, your targets, your standards. Uh, do not feel that, you know, a little bit of stealing is, is okay. A little bit of fiddling with things is okay because things are hard. Things may be hard now, but they're not going to be hard forever. A better time is coming. And what you don't want to do is to be in Moab, having lost so many things, and then to hear, like Naomi did, that, oh, now there is food in Bethlehem. So you have to go back to Bethlehem in shame, telling people, oh, you know, God has been so bad to me. Um, You know, things have gone south. When really... Maybe um, if we had stayed in the house of bread, um, things would be looking up much more. Um, Now, the Moabites were the enemies of Israel, as I had mentioned earlier. Now, the, the loyalty of Ruth redeems her and brings her into the Abrahamic covenant. So, in Ruth being loyal to... They owe me, and she felt maybe all that I'm doing is helping this old woman. Really, Ruth was stepping into her destiny without knowing. And the lesson there is that you don't really know who you're helping when you help someone. It may well be that you're helping yourself. So we should never get weary of helping people. If we look at chapter 2, moving swiftly on. In chapter 2, Ruth happens to find work in the field of Boaz. So you will, when you read chapter 2, you will notice that the word happens, it happens, it happens, um, comes up a few times. And that happenstance, um, the Jewish word, actually is something to do with God orchestrating things. So she happens to go to the field. She didn't know. She happened to go to that field. And um, the man was of the family of a Limelech, and his name was Boaz. Um, and Boaz notices Ruth and favors her because he had heard of her loyalty to Naomi. By the end of the day, she sat at the table with him, eating lunch, and she starts to get um, special favor and treatment. And, you know, the, the beautiful uh, lesson that I learned here is... The goodness of Ruth to Naomi was told around town and Boaz heard of it. Um, your reputation goes before you. You'd be surprised. People know about you. Even though they, they might not tell you, many times people may know what you have done, what you have not done, what you have said and what type of person um, you are. So Ruth's work ethic places her in front of the man who was about to change her life. Hard work pays. I mean, it's good to receive prophecies and to be told, do this, do that. But you cannot take the place of hard work, of working hard, of working with your whole heart. Because what Boaz was seeing was the same as what he, as what he has heard. So if he had seen her, but the way that she was doing is different to what he had heard, he would not have um, decided to speak to her. Now, Ruth wanted to work to take care of her 
mother-in-law but in the end she basically walked into her destiny what ruth could have done is just to go around town someone would notice her someone would marry her and she would be fine but she had it in the back of her mind that i need to make sure naomi is fine and in doing that she stepped into her destiny as mentioned her reputation went before her and open doors it is good to be good word gets round and if the reputation was bad the doors would have closed not every door is closed by the enemy and not every door is opened by god many of the times we decide what happens god can place you in a job where he has the mind for you to get to the top to have an an impact but if you go there and you don't work well you don't get along with people you don't try your best you can close the open door that god has set before you and also the other way around you may find that even if you get to a place where the enemy feels they have shut that door your good deeds can give you the grace and the favor um that will open doors a lot of what our lives look like are a consequences of the choices we make yes there are many choices that have been made for us by our parents or by other people but it gets to a point in life where we decide what our life is like and we need to learn to make the right choices every time now chapter 3 in chapter 3 Naomi encourages Ruth to seek marriage with Boaz as a kinsman redeemer Ruth obeys Naomi and asks for her rights and Boaz uh, says yes but he has to follow um the law first so what was the law in De- Deuteronomy 25:5 we read if brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family a husband's brother shall go into her take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her what this means is if the husband dies if he has a brother then in theory the wife of the husband should become the wife of the brother if there isn't a brother then it goes to the cousin if there isn't a cousin then it will go to someone um that is far so really what uh, boaz was he wasn't the nearest uh, family member that could marry her there was one other person who who could do this so boaz had to go and ask One of the things that we learn here is that Boaz was a guy who knew the rules and he followed them. It is vital when we start to think of dating, when we start to think of marriage that we look at how the person deals with the rules. How the person deals with principles. Do they follow rules? Do they follow the principles or do they just feel that, you know, they're so great that things that I can just well, I just like you, Ruth. We don't need to follow the rules. That is a red flag. but we'll go into more details of that in the coming weeks. Other things we learn from chapter 3 there is often wisdom uh in listening to an elderly god woman that can guide uh younger women to fulfill their purpose. Okay, there is wisdom in the instruction of an 
elderly, godly woman. Elderly here does not necessarily mean age, but it needs to be someone who has walked, who has done what you want to do. Um, the networking evening we had uh, last, last week, Friday, had some elderly, godly women who spoke to us and said, this is how I, I got to where I am now. This is what I did right and this is what I did wrong. And the wise thing to do for a younger person or for someone who is looking to do what these people have done um, is to follow what they say, to follow what they have done. And Ruth was humble in listening to Naomi. One of the things I'm noticing more and more now, and the Bible speaks of it, that in the, that in the last days people will be boastful, people will be proud, they'll be disobedient to parents. And to parents here, it doesn't just mean the physical one, but also the other um, parents that God has put in your, in your life to guide you. There's a lot of, we don't need to know, we don't need to be told. Um, and while reading books and going to conferences, that really does help. But there are some tr truths about life that you don't get until you sit down with someone who has lived it and who can tell you the reality of what they have faced um, and how they've been able to overcome it. Because... A lot of the times, people are very careful what they put in books and people are careful what they will preach out loud. But if you can sit down and have a conversation with someone, you will hear things from them that you will not hear from a pupil, that you will not hear in, that you will not read in a book. Because there are some things that are too deep to put into writing. Some things are too deep for more than two ears to hear. So Ruth was humble and for those of us who want to go very very far get in the habit of sitting down with people who have been there who have done that and ask questions ask questions listen to stories pick out the wisdom ask god god let me hear the wisdom in what this man is saying in what this woman is saying you'd be surprised um what you can get out of those who are Older, who are godly, who have been there, who have done that, and who can shave years uh, off your journey. Now, Boaz was keen to preserve the purity, the safety, and the reputation of Ruth. Because what Ruth did here was to go and see him in the middle of the night in the threshing floor. So she's vulnerable, and he really could have taken advantage of her then, but he didn't. He didn't. And he will thought of, you know, don't leave yet because it's not safe because they could harm you. But also don't leave yet because I don't want anyone to see you. Because if they see you, there's no way that they're going to see you coming out of my room at a certain time of the night. And they will not start to think of you, not me, they will not start to think of you in a wrong way. As we go to think about dating and marriage, it is very vital that whoever you have your eyes set on are thinking of your purity, your safety, and your reputation before you decide what dates to go on, um, the conversations that you will have, the kind of films that you will have, and even the, the places that you will go to or will not go to. Your purity, your safety, and your 
reputation. And this goes for both men and women. There are some women that all they know how to do is trap men. And there are some men, all they know how to do is trap women. So ladies and gents, we have to be very careful and watchful of um, the people that we set our eyes on to make sure that they will not compromise our purity, our safety and our reputation. So the story ends with chapter four. Um, the closer relation is told about Ruth. Well, he's told about the field and I like how Boaz put this to him. Um, we go to the, the details in the later weeks, but in chapter four, so Boaz calls this guy um, at the gates where all the elders are. So there's no secrets here. There's no, don't let anybody know me and you are talking. Don't let this one and that one know that me and you are going out. This was open. Everybody knew. So he goes to this guy and says, oh, there's a field that was your late brother's field. And according to the custom of our people, according to the law of God, you're meant to now get this field. And the man said, yeah, 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 yeah. I really want that field. And then he goes, well, with the field also comes the wife. Now, on an ordinary um, way of thinking, you will think, well, I get a field and a wife, all in one, that is great. But the man said, I don't want the wife, so I can't have the field either. Because if he got the wife, it was his job to make sure that um, his brother had children. So any children that they had would take the place of the brother, which means that everything that he, he owned as a person, he would have to give to this child in place of his brother. So what he did here is wicked. He's basically saying, I'm not going to take care of this woman because if I take care of this woman, she's going to have children and those children are going to take the money that is mine. What he obviously was not thinking of is that, well, you know, one day you're going to die and uh, you're going to leave this wealth anyway but he was limited and he wasn't thinking of the future so what he did here was wrong however this was the opportunity that Boaz was waiting for and Boaz just steps in and they sealed the deal there and then Boaz and Ruth are married um, Ruth has a child who is named Obed uh, who is the grandfather of Jesus of um, David who is ultimately um the great 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 um father of jesus christ naomi is taking care of all the days of her life and lives to see her grandchildren and the the the, the lessons that we can um that we can get here for me personally is like when we help others we also help ourselves God is in the business of elevating the underdog to position of significance so you never have to write your, yourself off. If we think of Ruth, Ruth was just one of the workers. Ruth was one of the workers, but in a very short amount of time, she went from being just the, the contractor to being married to the owner of the business and really being the owner of 
the business. So God is always doing this. And you might think that the book of Ruth is about love, but I can also see how we could spin the book of Ruth and also teach about the marketplace. But I feel that we've done plenty of that with Joseph. So we will leave the marketplace to one side and we will focus on the issue of love. But the key uh, to all this is obedience. And it is the same as we had with Joseph. Joseph had a dream and that dream was at the back of his mind. And it gave him the courage to follow through um, all the hardships that he had gone through. And here, the loyalty of Ruth, uh, humility in, in listening to Naomi and even wanting to take care of her really is what makes um, the difference. And I'm really glad, you know, that in the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about dating. We're going to be talking about marriage. We're going to use the story of Ruth and Boaz as a springboard. Um, so we're going to we're going to look at how the story of two people can help us to learn the lessons of laying um, the foundations for a successful Christian marriage. And what I called it in the advert is kingdom marriages. Because we see the marriage of Ruth and Boaz helps the kingdom of God. Um, and it, it really is a marriage that is um, on purpose for the kingdom that just keeps going and keeps going. Because really, if we just marry someone just because you like them or just because they have money or just because you just love them, we are fallible people and there's only um, so much that you can get out of a human being. But if you marry a person with the mind of fulfilling the purpose of God, you will never be tired of the person, you will never be weary, because God just makes his grace, he makes, he makes his mercy new on your marriage every day. So the focus of the teaching is not going to be so much on the who you marry, it's going to be on the why and on the how. Who you marry, it matters, but not as much as the why and the how. This means that you can marry the right person and you can still get it wrong. That's why I'm not so much a fan of just praying on a name of somebody and asking God, is this person right? The, the person can be right, but if the why and the how are not done the proper way, you may find that the marriage doesn't work. The person might be right, but the method, the motive is wrong and that will always create a problem. Even a marriage that uh, works and they manage to remain married and have children, they may be living in a sub, uh, sub um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sub purpose. So your purpose is a hundred, but even if you're married to the right person and the why and the how is wrong, you may find that out of 100, you're only able to do 20 things. The teaching will be based on the word of God, not on culture, not on what you hear in the media, not on hearsay. They're not even going to be based necessarily on what I have done wrong or what I have done right. I'm going to be open and honest in the ways in which I've, I have seen these, these principles work in my life. I will not mention names, but um, I will bring... Um, things that have happened to real people um, and that are happening to real people um, to see how 
the word of God is real. A lot of the times we feel the word of God is not relevant. The word of God is just this Bible that was just written by different people who say that it's God that told them. But actually, I really do feel that by the time we get to the end of this teaching, you'll see the book of Ruth in a different way. And I hope that you also see the issue of marriage for a Christian, not so much about the who you marry, but why you marry and the how. And I tell you, the why you marry and the how you married is all about you. The why and the how have got little to do with who. It's got little to do with the other person and it's got everything to do with you. So that is something that is in your reach. It's something that you have control over. And what would, would, would be great is for people to, to write down, to make notes and to really have a list, you know, of what I need to do, how I need to think. Uh, when I was to get married, I actually... Um, not sat down and wrote, but in in my mind, I I had an om- almost a risk management list. So what are the risks that come with marriage? The risk of this, the risk of that, the risk of this, things that I've read in the Bible, things that I've seen on TV, things that I've seen happen to people. So I had the risks and I had what am I going to do in my marriage that will minimize these risks from happening? And I did those things, I do those things, and I keep doing them. And I keep doing them because I know that kingdom marriages are the foundations of the church of God. They're the foundation of the kingdom of God. Without uh, godly marriages, God cannot bring out uh, an, an offspring that is godly. And you may think, though, are you, are you saying that the whole purpose of marriage is to have um, children what i'm saying no the purpose is to leave a legacy it may be in the form of your own children or it may be in the form of other people who are somebody's children who will um reach their purpose in god because of the fruit that your marriage is going to bring so whether there's children in a marriage or not it can still be fruitful and yet there can be children in a, in a marriage and it may not be fruitful. But those are the things that we're going to go um, into in the coming weeks. So um, I hope that you will sign up. Uh, the teachings are going to go on the podcasts um, and you can follow them in your own time. Um, and if you have some questions, please feel free to email them through. Uh, if we get the questions, uh, we will read them out and... We'll answer them live um, on the teachings. So, Lord, we want to thank you for your word of this day. And, Lord, I want to thank you for all the marriages that you'll bless through this teaching. I want to thank you for all the people who are dating who you will bless through this teaching. And I want to thank you for the fruit of this teaching. Uh, I want to thank you because your kingdom will increase. I want to thank you because your kingdom will come. And I want to thank you because your glory is going to fill the life of each and every person that heeds this word and keeps it to the glory of your name. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.